Hello, it's Caroline. I'm just here to tell you that this episode that you're about to listen to was recorded during a time when I still used Patreon. I do not use Patreon anymore, but you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck a Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Fuck a Diet podcast. My name is Caroline Duner and I have been sick this past week and it's thrown me for even more of a loop. Um, it's been mild, a low grade fever for a couple days, headache, um, a little bit of nausea. It doesn't seem like coronavirus symptoms at all. Of course, whoever knows what, I don't really know what the mild manifestations are. But either way, I've been sick, I've been out of it, I have only been able to take my dog for walks, major social distancing, um, and uh, like basically that's it, and do these weird Q&As with this tiny head filter on Instagram, which made me feel better while I was doing it. It was like the only thing that brought me joy over the past couple days. But I was feeling extremely overwhelmed as I started to feel a little bit better, but still wasn't fully feeling better yet. I was like, oh my God, there are so many things I have to do. I can't believe it. I just, I was feeling like I had all these things that I had decided I was going to do and I hadn't left myself the time. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was beating myself myself up for not feeling better and tackling all of these things. And I realized a couple things. I realized, A, I am not really taking my own advice when it comes to shoulds and productivity and rest and letting yourself off the hook. B, I've also, you know, through these past couple weeks of quarantine, I have been trying to personally process what is going on, you know, just for myself but then also trying to figure out how to speak about it with you guys as it relates to the fuck a diet, as it relates to rest and the way that I define rest and the way that I approach rest and productivity and shoulds. Um, and it's been difficult. I've been, you know, I don't feel like I fully know what to think honestly and what to say i feel like i'm i'm mid processing we're all in the middle of this situation we're in the middle of the world being turned upside down um and so to a certain extent we're all sort of doing that we're like okay i guess this is life now what does this mean and i i spent the first week or two being like this is fine you know i'm used to working from home i'm used to a lot of this um, and I'm fine. I have my projects. I can just keep doing my projects and 
yeah, you know, some things are harder and it will get monotonous and I miss having my routine of going and working from a cafe, blah, 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 but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I, I felt lucky, you know, that I, I have, I am absolutely in one of the luckier positions. I'm able to stay safe and work from home. I didn't lose my job. I have things that I'm working on, but I am, I'm struggling. I'm struggling and, and I'm trying to have this space to kind of reflect on how I'm responding to this and how maybe old habits of productivity and kind of like thinking that I'm supposed to be doing a lot of things or I don't know even just the idea that I was like okay great now I'm just gonna make I'm gonna like make more content I'm gonna have more podcast episodes that come out and feeling super overwhelmed by that almost immediately and pushing through okay so this is this is what I really want to say I said to myself, okay, Caroline, are you taking your own advice? And if you were to give yourself advice, what, what would you say? And I knew that the, I knew that I was saying to people, you don't have to be productive right now. This is a crazy time. But I was still expecting myself to not only do what I was already doing, but more. And, um, So I decided that I did not have to do this bonus episode and I immediately felt relieved. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm going to do, I'll do a regular episode. I've been sick. I haven't been able to prepare. My head feels foggy. It's fine. I don't need to do, I don't need to do a podcast episode every week just because I said I was going to. And then as soon as I let myself off the hook, felt relieved. I was like, it's great. It's great. I have other things that I can work on. And then I realized that I wish that I could talk about this on the episode. So I said, okay, well, I don't have to do it, but you know, maybe you can just sit down and do it. And even, an even, an even less polished version of an episode than they usually are. And they're usually not very polished anyway. And I thought, that is great. Maybe I will do that. Spoiler, I am doing it and we're doing, or this is the result. Okay. Um, I have some emails that I'm going to read. I have some questions that I'm going to answer. And it's going to be a short episode. It's going to be over before it even really gets started. It's going to be maybe 20 to 30 minutes long. And, uh, And then I'll come back next week and I will do a longer episode. But what I would really like to leave you with um, on this subject is there are things that we are all expecting ourselves to be able to do and there are pressures that we're putting on ourselves. A lot of it is subconscious and we aren't even taking the time to really look at it and examine it and wonder whether it's actually true. Do I really have to do podcast episodes every week during this quarantine? No, I don't. Yes, I said I was going to, but that doesn't mean that I have to, especially because I was sick this week. Do I really have to um what are the other things that I'm for that I've been forcing myself to do? 
Well, there are other things that I really actually do have to do, but that's just the point. There are things, there are real things to be stressed about, and there are real things that we do need to do. There are also lots of things that we think we need to do that we don't actually really need to do. And we don't need to be mean to ourselves if we're not able to do everything. And that's just the truth. Okay, so let's get into some of the emails that you guys have sent. Again, if you have an email either about the fuck a diet during quarantine or just any sort of fuck a diet success experience that you think would be helpful and calming for someone in the beginning of this journey to listen to, please send it to podcast at carolineduner.com. Okay. First one says, uh, okay. I'm listening to your podcast about coronavirus and wanted to share an experience I had. I went to give blood the other day, and while I was waiting, I had to listen to a conversation where one woman was talking about how good she was being with her diet and exercise during the stay-at-home order. Then when she went to get pre-screened, she ended up not being able to donate because her hemoglobin level was too low, and the phlebotomist told her she probably didn't eat enough. I went right after, passed with strong numbers, and was told I was a healthy eater. It made me think how bad dieting is for survival. Not just our own, but as a community. Thanks for your good work. Sending well wishes to you and Molly. Becky. Becky, thanks for your good work. Thank you for donating blood. Um, That is very interesting. And I actually think it's very interesting that the phlebotomist was pinning it all on eating and actually saying it to people. It's kind of great. I mean, honestly... She's probably right. There are definitely other reasons, other things that cause anemia, but um, it's very interesting and very interesting that it's like clear as day to the phlebotomist that it has to do with eating. All right, next one. My name is Stephanie and I had disordered eating, well, really an eating disorder, for almost 25 years. I was 39 years old when I read The Fuck a Diet with three young kids and a lack of identity. Your book saved my life. Not that I would have died or anything, but I wasn't living. I spent nine months doing the work and suddenly the clouds broke and I found myself forgetting to eat lunch and refusing more ice cream because I was full. Thinking about what I wanted to do with my life instead of how many calories I wanted to consume. I started my own coaching business and your book is required reading. Everything you say in the book is absolutely true and I am living proof. XO, Stephanie. Thank you for sending that. Sometimes these get very testimonially. Um, I want it to be more of a calming, like, l- what what are the takeaways that people listening to this can take away? One is that it really does shift. Um, took her nine months to notice a big difference. And, of course, the forgetting to eat lunch and refusing more ice cream because you're full, I think you know, this happens over and over again, that this is a thing that people are noticing themselves doing and it's a, and it's a cause for celebration. And then sort of like the, the way that people interpret it is, oh, so I really, I'm not supposed to be eating. So I'm supposed to be forgetting to eat lunch. I'm supposed to be eating less. I'm supposed to be refusing ice cream. And that's not what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact, the huge shift, the huge shift in the way we relate to food. The fact that we are not fixated on it all of the time and that we're actually able to focus on other things. 
obviously when you start forgetting to eat meals, the answer is you need to start forcing yourself to eat meals. But after being a person who is only thinking about the next meal they're going to eat or the next snack or just being starving all the time or not even understanding the concept of refusing more dessert for any other reason than believing that you shouldn't be eating it, feeling genuinely um, feeling genuinely different about food is... It is an amazing thing to experience because it is a huge shift. And for people who have existed a different way for so long, it really does feel freeing because it it's, it's a piece of proof that we don't need to micromanage. Our bodies really can be trusted. So that is great. That is great. But I always feel like I need to kind of put a disclaimer on it because when you know, so many people will say, like, I can't even believe it. Like, I, I I, used to just eat everything that I had in my house. And now that I've gone through this process, I have a pantry full of all of these foods I used to binge on. And I just am forgetting that they're there. And that is the shift we care about. The fact that you're allowed to eat food genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. And you did eat food and do eat food. And that your relationship with food shifted because of that. Okay, moving on to the next one. Um, okay, uh, maybe when I was eight and I was watching Golden Girls in my basement doing squats and thinking, it's okay, I can have diet pills when I'm older and get skinny. It was years of dieting, yet I was never, quote unquote, successful. I would start a diet one day and the, um, end the day binging and then start a new diet the next day. I wouldn't always binge per se, but I had a totally, oh my God, I'm just looking over at Molly. She's sleeping and wagging her tail in her sleep. So cute. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but I just could see it out of the corner of my eye that she was wagging her tail even though she's asleep. Okay, back to this. Maybe I'll be a better reader now because I won't be seeing this wagging tail out of the corner of my eye. Okay. I wouldn't always binge per se. I had a totally disordered way of eating. I would shove massive amounts of food in my mouth, chew, and then spit it out and made me feel awful mentally and physically. Now, age 36, almost 30 years later, I have proudly been able to say fuck it thanks to you. I'm not sure how I came across your work. It was about three years ago, but I read the blog, discovered the podcast. Now I've recently ordered the book, Life Changing. Although it's taken me Uh, Although it has taken me in whole about three years to get to this point, which is very important because again, it takes time and it takes a different amount of time for everybody. But in the realm, realm of it all, three years after 30 years of bullshit is nothing. I can honestly say I'm done with it all. I have space in my brain. I had no idea existed. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your confidence. What? Me? Thank you for changing my life. Okay, well, I want to say that to you. Thank you for your work on your own journey with food. Thank you for your patience because it did take three years. Um, and thank you for writing that in. Because, see, that's an important thing. This is why I want lots of people's stories. Because the first person's like, it's been nine months and I'm like a new person. And this person is saying, look, it took time. It took a long time. It took three years. But if you really look at it, if you look at it in relation to how long 
I was dieting, it's really nothing. And it makes sense that it took that long to not only go through the physical, but also the mental and emotional pieces that I personally believe take the longest, the, uh, the mental and emotional pieces. Okay, I would like to move on to the questions. And this first one is from Patreon. So this is what she asks. She said, two years ago, I was not eating enough food and I started to lose a lot of weight and I became very, very thin. I lost a lot of hair and I had no period and no energy at all. Despite that, I thought I looked normal until my mom forced me to gain weight because she said I looked unhealthy and sick. And so since I started gaining weight back, I've dealt with a lot of binge eating and also a lot of purging. And now that I've stopped purging and allowing myself to eat everything, I'm struggling with weight gain. I am a normal weight and not underweight, but I still can't stop eating huge amounts of food and it's starting to get noticeable. Am I even doing this right? Okay, so the first thing I need to say is I really hope that you are getting support for your disordered eating and eating disorder especially because there's purging here this is definitely an eating disorder situation and not just chronic dieting um i know that you said that you've stopped and that's great i just want to make sure that you are getting the support that you need um so please just anyone listening who who is also in a similar place or who has been purging or who is extremely underweight, it's really, really, really important that you get the help that you deserve. So that is very, very important. I wouldn't want to answer this question without starting there because that is really the place to start. However, I also want to address this because it contains a very, very common question. The question of, why am I still so hungry when I am now at a normal weight and I'm not underweight? So our idea of what is a normal weight and what is underweight is extremely arbitrary and it doesn't have any bearing on where you are, where you actually are in your recovery. So just because you have decided you are at a normal weight and that therefore you should be completely recovered, that doesn't make it the case. And you've been through a lot. I mean, it's been a long time of having disordered behaviors and extreme disordered behaviors like purging. And so I just, I, I want you to know that being really hungry and wanting a lot of food and still being in the middle of this process, when you are now weight restored to a certain extent, or you've, you know, you're not as thin as you used to be when you used to have more disordered behaviors, it does not mean that you are finished or that you should, you know, be eating less, basically. You are doing it right. You are doing it right by allowing yourself to eat. Um, but the assumption that you are supposed to be finished now, that you're, that you don't look underweight. The other important thing is that underweight is relative. If you are under the weight where your body wants to be in order to feel safe, but you don't look quote unquote underweight, that doesn't mean that you aren't underweight. 
Um, so I, I really think that these definitions, and it's so burned into our brains, like what's a normal healthy weight? What's underweight? What's overweight? And honestly, it's arbitrary bullshit. It do, it's not helpful. It's not a helpful way to judge anything, really. But it's especially not a helpful way to judge eating disorder severity or eating disorder recovery. And unfortunately, it is a way that a lot of people judge eating disorder severity and eating disorder recovery. So I want to congratulate you for 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 doing this in the first place. I know it's hard. I really do hope that you're getting the support, um, the eating disorder support and the mental health support that you deserve. Um, it's so normal to struggle with weight gain, even... I mean, it's a very consistent phenomenon that if you've been underweight and you gain weight, even if you still look underweight, you feel uncomfortable. There, It takes time. It takes time to get used to having a body and having a new body. Um, it's None of this is easy, but I think the biggest myth that I want to talk about right now and for everyone to really let sink in is that just because you look like you're at a normal weight does not mean that your recovery is over. And it doesn't mean that you are at the weight that your body wants to be. Now, there are lots of things here. You you might still need to gain more weight before your body feels safe, or you might not need to gain too much weight, but you still need to eat lots of food. And so worrying that you shouldn't be as hungry as you are is going to halt the process. Um, In order to start to feel comfortable in a different body, I mean, the first thing that I always recommend is that people follow as many diverse bodies on the internet, on Instagram, wherever you hang out online as you possibly, possibly can. Because one of the, one of the pieces of this bio uh, psychosocial disorder, which is what eating disorders are. Bio, it's biological, psycho, psychological, and sociological, social. Um, is So one of the big pieces is, is what we have learned we are supposed to look like. It's, it's the images we've been bombarded with on ads, on TV shows, in movies. We learn what is quote-unquote acceptable by what we see. And so we need to learn something different, essentially, which is why it's so healing to see diverse bodies represented in the media. And you can start with your own social media. That's exactly what it is. It's media. It's your social media. So that is a really important way to begin to shift your relationship with bodies and weight in the first place. And... Uh, please seek help for your disordered eating. Um, it's so hard because, you know, when you've, when you've had a more extreme eating disorder and you make a lot of improvements, you can think, oh, well, this is so much better than it was. And it is. It is so much better than it was. But it still is a disordered relationship with food that deserves support and deserves um, recovery. So please know that you can trust your body, especially if you're really, really hungry right now. That's your body saying, okay, let's make up for those years that we had a really 
bad relationship with food and we really weren't eating enough. So keep going, keep eating, get support and and begin to expose yourself to different bodies so you can be more forgiving towards your own as you go through this process. Okay, I'm actually just going to answer one more question and I'll tell you why. Because I'm taking my own advice and honestly, I'm still recovering from being sick last week. My brain is like a little dull, I would say. It's not very quick right now. And everything just feels like a little bit hard. So I'm just going to answer one more question and then I will be back next week with a new full long episode. Um, okay, so here is, here is the question. How much do you think food cravings are a missing or deficient nutrient? I love this question. (sighs) All right. I actually think a lot of food cravings are a missing or deficient nutrient. And I'm not just talking about zinc and magnesium. I'm talking about carbs and protein and fat. Those are nutrients. They're macronutrients. Micronutrients are vitamins and minerals. Macronutrients are calories, car- well, calories, but carbs, fats, proteins. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of food cravings are either cravings for very specific nutrients or just general macronutrients, which is a very legitimate and important part of our cravings as well, really. Um, so... That is the answer. But the other thing there, you know, the other thing that is a part of this puzzle is that we crave foods that we are denied, which is why it's so important to stop having rules around food, because until you stop having rules around food, your cravings are going to be skewed towards the things that you're not allowed to have. Once you're allowed to have them, it will be easier to actually crave things that your body wants and needs um, for reasons that will support you and are not just a response to feeling denied. (sighs) All right, my friends. This was the bonus podcast episode that almost did not come to be because I granted myself permission to not do it. And only once I granted myself permission not to do this podcast did I let myself... uh, Oh, what am I trying to say? I was actually kind of getting freaked out that I was starting to sound like Dumbledore and then I just like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just need to like subtly go back into my accent and like never, never admit that I started doing Dumbledore's voice. Okay. I think Richard, Richard Harris, was that his name? Harrison? Let me look it up. Richard. So like the first Dumbledore. Did you put your name in the, in the comment of five? Okay. Um, not that guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I'm really going off the rails here. You're getting a true glimpse into my brain. My brain has not been able to focus on shit, man. Richard Harris, maybe. Oh yeah, it is Richard Harris. He was Irish. What? Who knew? Not me. Now I know. I know Dumbledore isn't Irish, but I didn't know that the act, the first actor was. I feel like Michael Gambon is too. Am I crazy? Michael 
All right, I know I'm talking about Harry Potter now, but Michael Gambon. He, wow, he's also Irish. That's weird. Um, he really pisses me off, and I'm going to tell you why. He refused to read the books, and it showed because he did not understand Dumbledore at all. He was kind of mean. He was an asshole. And um, I don't like him. I really don't. And that's how I feel. I love Dumbledore, don't get me wrong. But Michael Gambon ugh, really pisses me off. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, you're not going to get anything anything else helpful out of me today. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to fade away. Um, thank you for listening. I hope that this was helpful. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to process what the hell is going on in the world right now. I'm trying to process it for myself. I'm trying to process it in terms of how to talk about the fuck a diet and to talk about rest. Um, plus I, have sort of overloaded myself with work, some unnecessary, some necessary, some helpful, some unhelpful and overwhelming. And I also, see, I, I even forget what I was going to say next. Um, overloaded myself. I don't know. I have no idea. This is, this is why I wasn't going to do a bonus episode because I was like, you are in no condition to be talking to people. And that's a fact. Um, okay. Let's just call it. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you. It'll be better next, next week. Uh, fingers crossed. And by better next week, I mean the episode next week will be better than this. Oh yeah. I wanted to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I think. I don't know the best way to approach this. I'm feeling very distracted. I just feel kind of like off my game in a way that is fine. I'm going to say that for myself and for you. Nothing is normal. Nothing feels normal. Even though I'm one of the luckier people in this whole situation, just based on my, I'm not on the front lines. I didn't lose my job. I am not recovering from an eating disorder. There are a million reasons why I am doing okay, but I still don't know what the fuck is going on. And I'm having a lot of trouble focusing and that's affecting my ability to do things like this podcast, even though you know, the every week thing was me trying to be like, oh my God, now that I, now that I have all this free time and everybody has all this free time, let me do these bonus episodes. Like, fuck no, Carolina, you stupid. Yeah, I am stupid. Sometimes, sometimes I'm stupid. Okay. And that's just the way it is. Actually, real quick, if you have read the book, and you have not signed up for the free resources and also the workshop that's coming up that will be focusing on the five tools from the book, go to thefuckadiet.com slash resources, sign up. It's free. You can submit questions if you do it before April 10th, which is five days. And then I will send you this workshop on April 17th. It's all free. It's a gift to you for those who have read the book. Um, 
And yeah, I just want to remind people because I'm not really posting on my social media about it for some reason. Who knows? Uh, and so if you are listening and you've read the book and you have not signed up, it's just another freebie that will hopefully be helpful. It will hopefully supplement the book in a way that will give you real takeaways and ways to actually apply the tools, both with your relationship with food and just in general, maybe during times of crisis. And other than that, uh, yeah, I hope you go over and sign up for it at thefuckadiet.com slash resources. And in case you're wondering, this is an example of one of the things that I'm forcing myself to do that I like don't have to do. Like I gave myself extra work for no fucking reason, but I'm doing it anyway. So make it worthwhile and go sign up. Okay, please. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Goodbye.